Hey guys, welcome to another episode of 180 Degrees. You're tuned in to 729 AM with me, Zoe George, and my amazing co-host, Michaela Preston. Woohoo! It's so great to be back, Zoe. I've missed this. I have, indeed. It's the last October, the Monday in October, but it still feels like we have so much momentum. I've been riding this whole month, but it's crazy. I know, right? Ugh, guys, studies has been brutal. It has been for the both of us, actually. We have both been just fighting those weapons formed against us, the weapons being the degrees and qualifications we chose by our own accord to study. Mm-hmm. No one forced us to do it. But yeah, you guys want to stay tuned for this show. It's going to be a very fun one. Michaela did some fun things this weekend. She's got some cool tips for you guys that you might want to stick to and like incorporate into your daily life. And then we have someone who used to be on the show coming on, Luane McLaughlin. She's going to be talking to us about being a female minister, what that means. You know, in this day and age, there's still a lot of people who believe genuinely that women should not be ministers, which I think is so wrong. So she is a woman who just is a minister. She's living in a small town, experiencing life so differently than what we do. And she's here to talk to us about that. And I, for one, am quite interested in that. It sounds quite interesting. I mean, it's always good to hear that a woman empowers other young women. Exactly. She may not have had someone when she was learning who was what she can be to a new incoming woman. And I think that's just so exciting. I just love it when women can, like you said, empower other women. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, definitely. And then afterwards, we got some facts on the Bible for you guys, as well as a quiz that you guys might want to participate in. If you'd like to, you can send us a WhatsApp at 081-729-1657. We look forward to hearing from you guys every week. It's so much fun. 180 Degrees on I Am Youth Movement. Okay, guys. So what I did this weekend. Now, sadly, Zoe could not join me on this. And it was so sad, guys. I I mean it. Mm, Because, Zoe, if you were there, you would understand how amazing this place is. Like, it is gorgeous. I'm going to have to check it out on Instagram later. Yeah, because, like, all the Instagrammers are actually going there. It's called Quinn Rock, guys. So it is a wine estate. And it is just gorgeous, the scenery and the view. And then they have this like glass house kind of where everyone just goes and takes pictures. And the the wine and the uh, food that they offer is of like top class, like really? remarkable. Do you know what country their um, cuisine is based on? Not necessarily, but they take from everything. Like okay. they, they, they try to incorporate everything. It's more of those kind of, you know, that piece of something on mm-hmm. your plate. Yeah. But like just that one piece could like make your mouth water. Mm. And so they have course meals because of it, um, which is a bit pricey. It's a bit more upper class. So if you are wanting to spend money and want a really glam evening, this is the place to be. Um, on Wednesdays to Sundays, they have, they, they charge about 900 per person. Yeah. And guys, I know it sounds expensive, mm-hmm. but that's for a five course meal. Five. Five wow. course meal. Um, and if you would want to pair it with, um, a nice glass of wine, that then will be 1,400. So that is a bit, Hectic, yes, but a lot of people just normally go for the food because they are so well renowned, like renowned for their food and the 
their wine. Um, and then if you are looking at the vegan side, they also. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, they, they cater for vegans as well. So there's a five course vegan menu that is roughly the same price. And that's also from Wednesday to Sunday. Um, they do prefer that you call in advance in order to like make a booking and things like that because they, they normally get really packed. Um, and then there is the Saturdays and Sundays, which is the most busiest time. Only from one o'clock, they have the set menu. And that is a bit more pricier. That is 1,250 per person. And the wine pairing with that is one nine. Hmm. Um, like I said, I do understand guys that it is a bit pricey. So if you're wanting to splurge on a birthday or fancy event, definitely the place to be. You will not be disappointed on the scenery, the view, the, the abilities to take pictures there. Cause like, I mean, your pictures will look flawless. Uh, all the follow, all the Instagrammers are going there just to take pictures and just embrace the, the scenery, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I went actually this, uh, like, I went with my mom. It was a birthday not too long ago. And we also went to a different wine farm. But, you know, what is so breathtaking is just like how amazing the the wine form is man like it's just so orderly that when you look out to it you just cannot hold back but thank god for this ability to see this stunning view guys mm. i really enjoy going to wine farm not necessarily to have wine but just to enjoy the the quietness the peace the you know it's the ambiance is just amazing yes i completely agree with you I was planning to go to Mirandal. It's actually here around the radio station. For those of you who don't know, we are situated in the Durbanville area, and it's got a beautiful restaurant. And while the spring wildflowers were out, that place was the place to be for those pictures. So I agree with you. Wine farms are really serene, and they're amazing places to go to. Yeah, definitely. And this place is located in the Stellenbosch area. So if you are over that side, guys, it is closer to you. It's called Quinn Rock. Type it in. And I promise you, when you see the pictures, your mouth will drop to see how stunning this place is. You would want to go. Yeah, I already want to go. Just I haven't even seen any pictures just from what you've said. But yeah, thank you for that, Michaela. I'm glad I will be doing that when my exams are over. But let's head on into the tip. I'm excited for what you have to say. Zoe on 180 degrees. So top 10 tips for all those people looking to come to Cape Town. Yay, it's the December season. So we know a lot of people, especially people in Joburg, who claim that their city is better, love coming down here. I mean, we've got the beach, we've got the mountain. Why wouldn't you want to come to Cape Town? Exactly. The vibe is in Cape Town, guys. So this is for all you guys looking to come to Cape Town. There's a few tips you need to keep in mind when coming here. So one of them is stay close to the city. So if you want to have a vibe and know what Cape Town's about, the city is there to show you. There's always something going on in the city, always like there's really good places to go that is central when you are staying in the city. Do you agree with me, Zoe? I really do. Exactly. The next one is be aware of the expensive the expenses tourist in, in the tourist region, sorry guys, <laughs> getting all tongue twisted here. Um, so what happens is sometimes when they realize that you are to- a tourist, they tend to charge you Very or true. overcharge you. So be aware of these things, guys. You know, 
Cape Town is Cape Town. But you know, sometimes there's no way to kind of avoid it. I go out with a friend of mine and she lives here, but she's German. So she still has a very thick accent. Mm. So when we go together, people just assume that <laughs> we're tourists and they try to charge us tourist prices. And I'm like, we make rands. Like, <laughs> relax, sir. Yeah, well, I mean, at least she has you to keep her aware of these Exactly. Um, so the next one, guys, is work with the weather, not against it. Mm. Now, Cape Town weather, it, it literally has a mind of its own. So I wouldn't even know how to prepare you for that. I would say in your car or wherever you go, just always keep a jacket with you because it can change on you just like it's that. It's very true. You can experience four different seasons in one day. So another one is the city is pretty safe, but stay alert, guys. Um, I have seen some hectic scenes where you get so comfortable and especially if you come from a different country, you know, you have that trust factor mm. that people will be, um, sorry, <clears throat> that people will, will bring your things back to you if you've left it somewhere or it's not necessarily like that in Cape Town. Mm. Be very aware of your surroundings and like just stay alert. Yeah. It's not as violent as people like to make it seem, the city that is. But it is very important, like Michaela said, to always be alert, to always have a stance of slight aggression so that people don't really look at you and know that you're an outsider and target mm. you. Exactly. The next one is for all those wine lovers that love the wine farm scenery that we just spoke about not too long ago, you know, plot out the journey for the day. So if you are wanting to go to wine farms and you live in the city, the wine farms are more further out there. Mm. So plan your day wisely if you really want to get to those wine farms, guys. Um, the next one is book far in advance for like popular restaurants because what happens is if you do not pre-book, those restaurants get pretty full Very true. around about the, the holiday time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do know what you mean. It's, I, I just feel like people, you know, they're all from work. They've gotten their 13th check, some of them, and they want to go and do touristy things. You know, we live in a beautiful city, but we're not always able to live like tourists. But the city is super fun. It's more fun than many other cities in the world. Yeah. And I mean, there are popular restaurants that I'm sure you guys would love to try or that you've mm -hmm. heard of. And so I would advise you to just book in advance because you don't want to miss out on that stunning restaurant and our amazing cuisine because I feel like we have a little bit of everything. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So the next one is uh, steer clear of the peak summer season. Mm. Sometimes, guys, it can get pretty hot out there. And Unless you're like Australian or from like the Middle East when this will just be like an autumn day for you. But if you come from a country with a significantly colder climate, yo, guys, please. Sunscreen is a must. Exactly. So keep your sunscreen close and very near to you. Uh, the next one is familiarize yourself with the public transport. Yes. Guys, it's important. Mm -hmm. Like, and also when you do that, deciding to go or trying to experience what a taxi is like or even a train, you know, just keep your goodies close to you for safety. And like we said before, stay alert. Um, it is an awesome experience to, to go on, you know, our public transport, but just like I said before, stay alert, guys. Uh, the next one is prepare for some time in the outdoors. Like, we have stunning beaches, mm -hmm. awesome places to hike, um, and just there are so much fun things to do in Cape Town. Very true. It's a multifaceted city. I mean, like you said, various hikes that you can hike on a beach. I mean, like, 
I could go on about this beautiful place. Yeah, so that would be the last one that, you know, just prepare yourself that if you do want to go out there and have fun, we have awesome things. We have shark cage diving, paragliding, um, bungee jumping. Um, even if you want to hire a fancy car and just take a drive up to Lion's Head, we got it all, guys. But you need to plan ahead and also just, yeah. You know, take out that bucket list and start marking some things to do because we got it all, guys. Indeed, we do. Now, let's just take a short music break. But when we get back, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, we're going to go into the interview section and we have a very fantastic, powerful woman. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this one. 180 degrees on Radio Cape Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Visit our website now, www.imymovements.co.za. We are now in the interview section of the show, and like I told you in the beginning, we have a very, very exciting person here. She, if you remember, was a part of the show for two years, a great two years. We have Luane McLaughlin. She is currently now no longer in 180 degrees. She is the main pastor, the head pastor at the Engia Gemeente in Murraysburg, which for those of you who don't know is the community Dutch Reformed Church in Murraysburg. She is going to talk to us about what it's like to be a woman in ministry, as we spoke about before. Some people still find that to be a very controversial thing, but she is not one such woman. She will be talking to us about like living in a small town, the differences between, you know, Cape Town and Murraysburg and being a woman in ministry, having a family, juggling so many things. She's doing a lot and she's here to talk to us. So I'd just like to say good evening, Luane. How are you doing? Hello, and thank you for that fantastic welcome. It feels like I haven't been gone at all. <laughs> you guys, honestly, it's going really well. Yeah. It's honestly so amazing to have you here over the airwaves because you are, you know, in Murraysburg. So you couldn't just drive like 20 hours just to come here, but we appreciate having you here. So I just like to, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just need to clarify for everyone listening, because I'm sure there are a whole bunch of people going, no, no, you are pronouncing Mariasburg <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> we do live in Mariesburg. It is a tiny little town, just like 90 kilometers from Crofronet. So it does exist, named after um, Dr. Andrew Murray. So we do exist. And Zoe is not mispronouncing <laughs> the town's name. It's, it's so true. Whenever I tell people about Mariesburg, they're like, um, I don't know about that. But I'm like, no, trust me, like <laughs> Google it. So it's I'd, real. It's real. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you a very general question. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Anything that has changed that you may want the audience to know? Well, I have aged two years now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 29 years old. I've got two kids now. I've just had my second little uh, little baby, little baby boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's my first child born here in the Platteland, which is, you know, quite quite an event over here um and otherwise not much has changed i've got to tell you um slower living enjoying a lot more tight-knit community and a lot more people who are committed to empowering and improving the community around them Mm. okay awesome Hi, Luane. I know Zoe was just on her own vibe. It's sometimes <laughs> difficult to get a word in with Zoe. <laughs> um, but the question I have for you is, what drew you into ministry? Like, what was what settled in your heart that you knew that ministry is where you want to be in? 
I like to tell the story from the very beginning. I was 15 years old when I was sitting in uh, my hometown, Stutt Reformed Church, one that's actually not much bigger than the one I'm in at the moment. Um, and I was, yeah, I was 15 years old. The Dwemney was having a good chat. He had this thick Boerland accent. And every single week he'd, he'd like, take a break in the middle of his sermon to give me homework on <laughs> some or other study verse like, you know, this is a thing that you have to go and figure out this week. Ask your grandparents if you can't remember or you can't figure it out. And during one of these little improv sessions of his, I had the feeling like, oh, you know, maybe this is something that I could do someday. Maybe I could be a duomini one day. But I sort of wrote it off as something like oh, everyone, every good Christian thinks that they have to be a duomini. Mm-hmm. Every good Christian thinks that they have to be that type of leader and take up that type of leadership role in the church. Which, thinking back on it now and speaking to other people about it now, that could not be further from the truth. Most people don't have that thought of, oh, yeah, maybe I could do that. (laughs) It was just you. (laughs) (laughs) It was just me. (laughs) So it sort of just traveled along there. And when I was um, grade 11, matrickish, the church actually approached my dad and he was saying, yeah, you know, Lene would like to go study theology. She wants to go and do this thing. And they approached him and said, listen, we've been looking for a student to sponsor in theology. Would you mind if we paid all of her tuition fees wow. for her undergrad? Wow. And that was just one of the really big confirmations from God's side. It's like, yes, I want you to do this. I know it's going to be tough and I know you probably can't afford to do this, but I'm going to pave a way for you to come and do this and yeah kind of fell into it and fell in love with it along the way wow that is really like a heavenly confirmation because you know when god wants you to do something he makes a way Mm. even when there seems to be no way everything is covered paid for Mm -hmm. no stress it's like what are the odds you know so i would like to ask you uh, another question is it difficult being a woman in the ministry? This is a question that's very close to my heart because as the listeners know, my parents are actually both ministers, both my mother and my father in Nigeria. It's not really a big deal for the woman to be a minister. So in coming here, uh, they actually faced a bit of resistance in the very beginning of the church with my mom being one of the pastors, I remember my dad went away to Nigeria to do some preaching because my dad used to travel quite a bit for preaching. And quite a few people left the church, actually, when they saw that my mother was the one preaching. And we didn't understand at the time that there is a large group of people who genuinely believe that women are not ordained to preach. So I would like to ask, are there any difficulties you face because of your gender and the occupation that you possess? I am going to be entirely honest. Yes. Yes, it is so. And on the other hand, not as many as I was expecting, precisely because of the story that you just told. Like I was really, really expecting a lot more pushback and a lot more hardship because I'm a woman in the Karoo. So you'd think the Karoo is a lot more conservative and Mm. a lot more behind the times and all those um, really intense, hardcore stuff. But what I found at this congregation specifically and in the presbytery that I'm at, which is the presbytery of Crofronet, there are a lot of people who are just so accepting. So I'm actually the second woman wow. in uh, in leadership here. The woman right before me was in my class as well. So both young women 
um, two in a row. So, you know, shout out to Nadine. She was really good because they took me in with open arms. She sort of started to pave the way for me, which I think is something that is, it makes the struggle worth it. If you know, it's been made easier for me by a woman who came before me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make sure that it's even easier and even a more welcoming environment for the women who come after me. Mm-hmm. So, yes, of course, it's because, I mean, obviously there's certain Bible interpretations where people are, they get stuck on the nitty gritty. They forget about the big female leadership in the church throughout the Bible because, you know, they're sort of looked looked over. That You don't notice, you don't speak about um, all the different women who were involved there. Um, you kind of think about Mary and mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene and so, but, I mean, there are so many others that you could also, we could probably do a whole show about just the females who you could speak about. So, yes, that is a bit of a hardship, and there are um, patriarchal systems in place which are interpreted now as tradition. Mm. It's just how you do things. It's just the status quo. So what I found to work really well, not just in conservative situations, but in the city as well, it's almost it's almost worse in the cities than it is mm. in the Caribbean. Because there are just so many more people <laughs> in the city and so many more people who are applying for jobs there and women who apply for jobs, but then men get the job instead. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to think about. Like, oh, you know, did, did he get it because he's a man? Did I mm-hmm. lose it because I'm a woman? Or, you know, who is God placing where? What I do know though is that I really do feel called here and I know that Nadine started this and I'm continuing on this path. And from what I've noticed from the context that I'm in at the moment, a female touch, a feminine touch is truly useful here at this congregation. I think um, the feminine energy that we bring is something, the, the mothering, I can almost say, is something that this congregation truly needs and I is, is slowly benefiting from. Mm. So, yes, there have been some hardships, some difficult conversations that I've had and um, people telling me, wow, you're really not what I expected you'd be. You're not so bad. <laughs> you're pretty good for a woman. You know, a lot of microaggressions. Um, but you just kind of have to take those in your stride, meet people where they're at, and slowly and steadily start to expect more and to be less content with bad treatment. Um, does that does that make sense? I hope I'm not sounding yeah. too... No, that makes perfect sense. That that yeah. is definitely understandable. Um, what I wanted to ask you is that, like, you see, you said at a young age, I mean, this was something that you've seen and was thinking of doing. And then, you know, you just got confirmation when your studies was paid. And when God tends to do that and kind of just sets your path just like that, did you find yourself, like, challenging this, like, you know, the it's like straight ahead of you and this is how your life is going to be. Uh, did you ever want to be something else? Did you ever just want to challenge that and be like, no, this is not really what I want in life. But Lord, you know. While I was studying, no, <laughs> not for a second. I loved it. I loved the people that I was working with. I loved um, the subject that we were studying and the way that we could engage with the Bible and God's word and the history of the church in a whole new way, that was absolutely fascinating to me. And with every interesting class and every challenging conversation that we had within those classes, I just felt that confirmation again. Mm. However, a classroom is a very curated, safe space where you can 
say things and do things that you cannot do when you're out in practice because Mm -hmm. then you're working with people who didn't sit in that class with you and have the conversation and follow the same thinking um, thinking paths that you did or read the same books that you did they're coming with their whole other context and their whole history all by themselves um, Mm -hmm. that you now have to meet so once I started working in churches, working with people and other ministers and church leadership, there was a bit of a glass shattering moment for me, like, okay, this is going to be tougher than I thought. Not everyone loves Jesus the way that I do. Not everyone shows that they love Jesus the way I do. Not everyone loves the Bible as much as I do. And I need to be able to still walk a path with them and be their leader, but also be their friend. It got really complicated, and in so many times there I thought yeah, it would be so much easier to just do something else, to not do something that touches people so close to home, mm-hmm. that's not so personal as their relationship with Christ, that doesn't really let me into the inner workings of their homes because it's if you're a minister, and so your parents will know this as well, mm-hmm. you are immediately on a different level with people. They will open mm-hmm. up to you. And it's such a privilege. It is such an incredible privilege. But what it then also means is I'm in a position of power where I'm accepting and creating a space for their vulnerability, which means I can't engage with them as a friend. So mm-hmm. it's very difficult for ministers to make friends, especially mm-hmm. with people in their church. It's um, It can be very isolating. Mm-hmm. It can get incredibly lonely because of that. And when you have a crisis in your face, and you don't have a support network put in place, especially when you're in a new area, you have to go through that all by yourself. There Mm. isn't a domain that you can go to or a Mm. faith leader because you don't have one. It's you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there were a lot of spaces that where I felt unsupported and I felt isolated just because I was in a new space and I didn't have anyone just yet. And I'm young. I'm still figuring stuff out as I go. I'm very honest about that with myself and with others. Um, that I thought, you know what, wouldn't it be so much cooler if I could just be, be a, or go a pair across the waters and go see the world or be some mm. sort of traveler or a blogger mm. or literally anything else? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think, like you said, when we look at ministers, we put them on this elevated position and forget that they are people like us and they feel the same emotions. We all feel the same emotions because mm. we're all people and it can be difficult to even just like imagine that. However, in, even though you said that, it's still extremely clear that this is not only something you were called to do, but it's something you actually enjoy doing mm. and have enjoyed for the entirety of your even before your career as a student, even before you were a student, you were intrigued by the nature of being a minister. So I'd like to ask you a question about what your favorite part about doing this, not just your favorite part, like an emotional good thing that you see, but also if there are any activities that you have to perform as a minister that you enjoy more so than others, perhaps conducting funerals or conducting weddings or baptizing people. Who loves doing funerals? Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> I was now. like, Zoe, funerals. No, no, no. Really? I, I've actually heard uh, quite a few of my friends are, you know, in going into the ministry. And some of them say that it's it's very interesting, you know, because... Yeah. 
<laughs> we will leave Zoe on that one. <laughs> okay, I'm sounding so macabre. I've coordinated, so I'm sure. But for me, <laughs> I'm going to start with the activity. Not funerals. Not just a fan of funerals. Are you sure not funerals? I'm sure. Okay, I'm, I am very sure that crying on stage into my microphone is not something I enjoy doing. <laughs> My favorite part is baptizing. Eight and eight, I absolutely love it. Just the the vulnerable bit of it. Mm. Um, so in the Dutch Reformed Church, we are quite happy to baptize you if you're an adult. Um, but most of the time, traditionally, we baptize babies because we believe in the grace of God that you don't have to understand. You don't have to know what's going on because in baptizing, we are saying God chooses you. It is a, a signal and a a symbol of how God reaches out to you and chooses you. And that whole, the liturgy of it, the movements, the getting the family together, the talking to them about what it means to raise your child as a Christian and how you're going to do that and baptizing them into a community who will be not just overseeing their faith formation, but supporting it and being part of it. Hmm. And, you know, it's helping to, yeah, I'll just finish that child in ways to keep on growing in their faith. So the act of baptizing is the most sacred for me. I absolutely love it. It's so lekker. I'm actually baptizing my little boy one of these days. Aww. Incredible privilege. So nice. <laughs> um, yes. And what else do I enjoy? You know what? In the Karoo specifically, people expect you to drive to their house and come sit down and kair. Now come have a cup of coffee or seven, and eat whatever they have prepared. If it's a rusk out of the cupboard or some elaborate cake, they want to sit and cry and they want to get to know you and sort of welcome you into this community and talk about God, talk about the stuff that's going on. It is also the way that I found people open up the most is if you're sitting in their living room space with them mm-hmm. and you've come to them, they're more open to chatting to you and just get more comfortable with you. So that's that's also a lot of fun for me, the people aspect of it. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Um, I want to know, if I came to you and I was like, look, um, I got a calling from God and I am supposed to be doing what you're doing, um, is that like the way to go about it or do I have to study in order to to be equipped to do the same thing? So to do specifically what I'm doing, you do have to study. So I am a uh, an ordained minister in the Dutch Reformed Church. So what that means, it's the same for Urksa. You need to have, or yeah, it is Urksa in English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's the same in that church as well. You need to have a master's degree, master of divinity, um, which that's a bachelor's and then you do the master's right after that. And then you do one year post-grad diploma hmm. where you go out to a congregation and you work. Um, it's, I'm going to say it really depends on which part of the church you're in, like which um, denomination you are part of. So where my church requires a master's degree and then that practical year afterwards, not all churches do that. Some of them would say, you know, oh, you can do this online course or you can come do this course at our church. We offer that ourselves. What I will say is learning more about the Bible and being challenged about it from people from out different denominations and people who have studied it and looked at it as an academic piece of literature is not a bad thing. 
you mm. must keep in mind, like, yes, this is academic and they are sort of pulling things apart, sometimes a little bit <laughs> unnecessarily and just asking questions for asking questions sake, but to indulge in that a bit and let it go and see, but listen, how does this affect my faith? How, how do I see God in this? How does this help my faith to grow? Do I agree with this? Do I not? It's never, ever, ever to ask questions because in doing so, and more about God, you learn more about your own faith. And I know there are some people who are quite scared to ask questions and they're like, no, 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 you know, you can't, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to wonder. You are most certainly supposed to wonder because if you can't ask the question, that means what are they hiding? You know, like what lies behind that question? What, what does it say about your faith that it is so easily shaken by mm. asking a question? So, you know, asking a question is not a bad thing, engaging with it and then coming out to the other end and saying, okay, listen, I've thought about it. I have not changed my mind. I still don't agree with this, but I've, you know, I've walked a road with this now. I've, I've thought about it a bit more. It is also one of the expressions of spirituality for some people to engage with things academically, to study God's word in such a way that it almost becomes um, a handbook. What's that in English? Handbook, yes. <laughs> a manual, you know, like an academic piece of literature, which, you know, it wasn't intended to be, but they have a lot of fun with it. And it's a way that they connect with God specifically, which is very special. So if someone were to come to me and say, listen, I'd like to be a duomini in the NG church, mm-hmm. I'd say, cool, find these people for these campuses. They'll help you out and they'll be able to contact you and get you part of bursaries and whatever. Or I want to be a pastor. I want to be a this. Like, go speak to your church leaders and find out what does that mean? What does that look like for you? And then in what part of the church do you want to be? Hmm. The um, Dutch Reformed Church actually has this really cool program now where people who have never studied theology but have a degree in whatever, like literally just any degree, they can come in for, I think it's six months to a year, and they can study a little bit further on a specific part of ministry be that youth work, be that music, pastoral care, um, actual preaching. Um, I'm sure there's more that I can't remember. Oh, yeah, mission work. Then you can specialize in that. and You can go to a church and say, listen, I've got this qualification. Can I come and help you guys out? So mm-hmm. it's actually diversifying so much and opening mm-hmm. up so much to let people in and to let people be the leaders that God wants them to be, even if it's not when you are fresh out of matric, but when you are 56 year old and you're saying, listen, I've got God's calling now. He's calling mm-hmm. me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I realized you have to study for everything That's these so days. True. It doesn't end after high school, guys. Mm-hmm. No, it does not. Yeah. Luane, this has been such a fantastic interview. I hate, I hate the fact that it has to end, but I have one final question that I know you're going to answer very, very well. And it is, what advice do you have for anyone out there who may be struggling with their calling? This is a very mm. big calling. So for anyone listening out there, do you have any advice for them? Keep struggling. Engage with the struggle. Sit with it. Scream at God if you must. Write stuff out. Go sit in a field and cry out to him. Listen to music. Go speak to people about it. Truly, truly engage with the struggle because God is speaking to you. God is trying to engage with you and he wants you to engage as well. Um, for some people, that means being quiet, mm. sitting still at the feet of God and just listening. <laughs> we're very, <laughs> we're very 
<laughs> I'm lazy to just sit and listen to God. We love to tell him things, but mm-hmm. just sit down and be quiet and listen to what he says. And then when it's your turn to speak again, ask questions, engage, show him all of your fears because the, if you're struggling with your calling, it means you're probably fearful of you think you're too young. You think mm. you're too inexperienced. You think your past is too jaded. And why would God want someone like you? Could I please introduce you to any character in the Bible? <laughs> All of them are murderers and intense people. So, you know, no past is too jaded for Jesus. Mm. Wow. Like be- That's awesome. Thank you so much for the great advice, Luane. It was honestly so amazing mm. having you here, hearing some of your wisdom. And I know everyone listening can benefit just a little bit and even a lot from what you just said. Yeah, that was like truly amazing. I think that ending like really just got to me because I find myself struggling to hear God's calling mm-hmm. and what he requires of me. Yeah, especially when it's something that you may not have necessarily thought was for yourself. Yeah. But yeah, that that was the interview for today. I'm so glad you guys got to hear that. So we are in the Did You Know section of the show, and I've got something that you guys may be unfamiliar with. I know I was a bit shocked. So we always hear about Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I mean, of course we should. We're Christians. But we hear a lot about his disciples. He had officially on record, everyone knows that he had 12. You know, I've seen so many jokes since the rise of social media that Jesus only had 12 and look how he's changed the whole world. But what's interesting to note is after Jesus came back to life, one of the reasons why Christianity was able to expand the way it did was because Christianity is a religion of missionary work. Mm. So when he came back, firstly, he spoke to the disciples. He spoke to them and told them to go out into the nations and spread the gospel. This was to the 12. But what a lot of people don't know is that in Luke 10, I believe it's the first verse, he speaks to a 72 further disciples and he tells them to go out into the world as well. I believe in the previous chapter as well, he speaks to about 5,000 people. I don't think they were a part of his disciples, but the 72 were a part of his disciples. Interestingly enough, depending on your denomination, the number might change a bit. In most Western denominations, it is 72, but in some Alexandrian texts, it's only 70. So I think it's just so interesting. Like we always view Jesus as only having had 12 disciples, but he had 72 in addition to the 12. So, okay, I... Is is it what you're saying is that the 12 was his like main followers and then whatever yeah. else, like everyone else just started following him from there, like which is the 70 or it's is like, the 12 added to the 70? I think what it was is that Jesus initially had 12, right? Like mm. they were with him throughout his life in the ministry. And then when he died and came back, everyone was so amazed by this amazing feat that he was able to appoint an additional 72 disciples who would help the 12 go out into the nations and spread his word. So, yeah. Oh, but if you look at it, it's not anymore 72. It's, it's not. Like it's like 2 we billion. We have grown so much. It's mm-hmm. so crazy. Yeah, especially because as Christians, you know, it is our, I want to say, I want to use the term job loosely, but we are called to speak to people and minister and share the good news that is Jesus's life and everything he's done. Mm. So, yeah. This is so awesome, actually. I didn't, and I, I, I haven't thought of it like that and seen how the growth has, like, it's, it's been a heavy growth. It you know? has been over like two thousand years. It's been 
an insane multiplication, 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 you guys. Tongue twisters today. It is literally getting me. It's got me by the throat. If you guys want to send us some messages to ask us more questions or just communicate with us, we love hearing from you. You can send us a WhatsApp at 081-729-1657. We always love hearing from you. Now we have a question planned up, you guys. So just stay tuned if you want to know what it is and how you can participate in this game. 180 degrees on I Am Youth Movement. Follow us on Facebook today. I Am Radio. So we are in the final segment of the show and we have a very tricky Bible quiz for you guys. You might think you know the answer, but we want you to really, really think about this one because sometimes the answer is like very easy. Like, oh, what did Adam eat? An apple. It seems easy. But was it really an apple? Was it? Mm-hmm. Some accounts say it might have even been a prom- pomegranate. Whatever that is. Some Greek fruit that's apparently delicious. But that's not this week's Bible quiz. Listen carefully. So Jesus is known to have had a certain number of disciples in his life. In his life before he passed on, as we spoke about, he appointed a certain amount of disciples after he came back from being crucified on the cross. But in his life before the cross, before he died, before he became the lamb on the cross, before he was crowned with this um, crown of thorns, all before that happened, he had X amount of disciples. How many disciples was that? This is where, this was in the time that he was alive, guys. Yes. Before, Emphasize. Exactly. We are emphasizing that this happened before Jesus was crucified on the cross, we're talking about his first life, his first about 35 years, 30, 35, I think it was 35, his first 35 years. We're talking about that. So if you guys have any idea what that number is, you can send us a WhatsApp at 81 1657 We love hearing from you. And we'll take a short music break, but then we'll come back and give you guys the answer. Tweet us at IamYMovement. So you just listened to the last song that's going to be played during our show for the October month. But before you played that song, we asked you guys a question that was a part of this week's Bible quiz. And it was a bit of a tricky one, you know, like there were many answers that you could potentially have. But what could you guys expect from Zoe? Yeah, you it know. It cannot be easy. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to be suffering through these exams, <laughs> I want someone else to understand what I'm going through. So I like to ask them tricky, you know, <laughs> like the lawyers. <laughs> so the question was, how many disciples did Jesus have while he was alive for the very first stunt, for the very first 35 years of his life, just before he was crucified and he became what we know him as today, as he literally birthed our religion. How many disciples did he have in that period? The answer is 12. This is a well-known fact by many people. And like I mentioned in the Bible, the did you know, you know, the Bible fact I mentioned that after Jesus came back to life and was resurrected three days after he died, he went and appointed various more disciples. In this question, I was not referring to them. I was referring to how many disciples Jesus had while he was alive, the 12. The Bible twist. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love that one. I feel like we should take that and make, call this segment The Bible Twist. But yeah, as you guys can probably see by your clocks, we are at the bottom of the hour with just a few minutes left until eight. And as you guys know, we're only with you for an hour. And 
then you guys go on to the next youth show. And we would love to be with you more, guys. Definitely. It's so sad to say goodbye. It really is. But, you know, we're going to be here again next week in November. It's going to be a fun one. You guys don't want to miss it. And we can't wait to be with you guys again in another Monday fun day. Yeah, so from myself and Zoe, we just want to say goodbye for now. Goodbye for now, guys.